Hello, and welcome to the Pondering Life Adventures podcast. My name is Bobby Beal. And I'm Mari Lung. Well, hello. So good to see you. Wait. You too. Oh, there you are. I know you look a little different from the last time I saw you. You've changed. I yeah, I think your hair is different or something. <laughs> a little more gray in it after that whole experience. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so. <clears throat> All right. Well, maybe we should say welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back. We have missed you and we've wanted to be doing this and we got jammed up with technical difficulties. Yeah. And when there are barriers in people's way and you're already tired, sometimes you just let them stay. Well, I will say just for the record and to in defense of you, because I do nothing to help this IT issue. <laughs> um, and admittedly, I will say that to people that you tried multiple times to resolve yeah. the issues. So it wasn't like we hit a barrier and you were like, eh, I can't do it. You tried and got knocked down. You tried and got knocked down. I can't tell you how many times I would say to like people in my family, oh yeah, there'll be one this Friday and we couldn't do it. Yeah. And so it was super frustrating. And I know that it must've been extra frustrating for you because you felt responsible or trying to you know figure it out and yeah there is something though about resiliency of like standing back up right like okay <laughs> and we you know you and I just presented at the AE conference about self-care and we talked about some resiliency and and polybagel I feel like you should explain polybagel polybagel <laughs> And we can put, put the picture, the fantastic picture that we have of Polly. That sounds good. So Mari, of course, you're referencing our um, keynote at the Association for Experiential Education last week, um, and it was a virtual conference. And so we got to give the keynote together virtually, although we were lucky enough to be at the same location because we decided to conference together, which... I think it was just brilliant of us. Yeah. Uh, it was little really, mini conferencings. It was mini conferencing and it allowed me to stop and actually pay attention to the conference because had I just been here in my basement office, um, I'd have been working in between and feeding my family in between. And, you know, it wouldn't have seemed like I was actually Taking a shower. <laughs> right. Well, I I did shower while I was there. So I'm not sure <laughs> oh. about you now. <laughs> it, it was way too cold. Did you not see the snow outside at some point? <laughs> I did. Did you also see the sunshine in the 60 degree weather when we first got there? We, I feel like we experienced all four seasons in our week. All in one week. It was. That's Ohio. Was like That's Ohio. Was spring, Wednesday was summer. Thursday was fall. Friday was winter. I do have some really interesting photos of like the same spot at the lake on those different days. And it just looks wildly different. I wish, and I just, I did not do it. I would have taken a picture for you as we were leaving because it was all white caps. It was super wow. wavy. Yeah. To really see that difference. Yeah. It was really nice. But um, to, so what are we talking about? Oh, backtrack our poly bagel. Yeah, poly bagel, <laughs> where, where we could just now like remember that. It's so funny because I've definitely talked about that theory with my kids before, but I was talking about poly bagel and 
um, just George this morning, he's like, yep, I got to get my poly going. <laughs> we got to make a poster. Um, <clears throat> so what happened was uh, we thought it was important to mention a little bit about the polyvagal theory and that Stephen Porges work. If we want to put a quote in there, um, yeah, not a quote, a link to, to him and some of his work. Um, but it's important to understand polyvagal theory because the polyvagal nerve network comes up through your chest and neck and head and behind our throats and mouths and into our brain. And um, it is the social network system and doing all sorts of things in those areas of your body, including singing and humming and talking, even breathing, just breathing, right? Taking a deep breath. Um, activates uh, your vagal network and in good ways. It calms us and helps us feel connected and safe. But the theory itself is a little complex and has a lot of information in it. And I have been uh, overwhelmed by it occasionally. <laughs> and <clears throat> I think one of my superpowers is I can take complex information and condense it and make it concise and dose it out to people in um, ways that they can understand it. And this theory has stumped me a little bit because it's so multi-layered right. that I have a hard time reducing it to a single, to, to just a few things to share with people. And so together <laughs> we went through um, the polyvagal theory and wanted just, just one slide on it too. Mm -hmm. I think we ended up with two slides. Um, yeah, because we had our picture All right. and we decided uh, to have a mascot to represent polyvagal theory and we called it polybagel. Yeah, so Super the whole hero. big middle part of the picture was an actual bagel. Yes, and so we pasted together uh, a, a guy who had um, drawn on muscly arms around him. He was He was sort of slumped and depressed, but he had these big like I'm strong kind of arms uplifted and in a chalk drawing around him. And then we covered the center of him with a bagel and put a smiley face on top because it's about connecting with others through eye contact and smiling and talking. And uh, what else was part of our picture? Oh, the a superhero, superhero badge. Yeah, mm -hmm. the Captain America badge down around his waist. And, um, and I was really hoping that people would get the joke that this is polyvagal. And, um, but we've set it up as a, as a cartoonish thing. And, uh, and they did, we got all sorts of comments in the chat. Totally. People loved it. Totally. And it was such a good reminder, you know, like you can see the bagel, so you're connected to it. And if you really got polyvagal, you would get polyvagal. If you're like looking up polyvagal brain theory, polyvagal comes up. I tested it out just to see because <laughs> we can't actually remember it. Would we be able to connect it? It gets close enough. I don't know if that says about my search history that my search history has just learned that I am like vaguely <laughs> aware of things and it's connecting it. But I think that happens in all search history. And um, you know, you you added the the smiley face, and that's one of the parts of the theory that I sometimes forget. I mean, I love the part. It, it helped me so much to understand. Like it runs from your diaphragm to your brainstem, right? That piece. And so 
to me of like, oh, of course, deep breathing would then help to calm the nervous system because that's part of that, that system um, or humming. And my kids frequently hum when they're frustrated or when they're not feeling well. And I used to get really frustrated with it until I understood what it was actually doing. Like they, that is a piece that's helpful. Lays too. Um, she has to get up ridiculously early for middle school this year. And um, so we're all up at 6.15 and she slogs into the bathroom in the shower and uh, is like, but in the shower, we can hear her singing and humming almost every day. And I'm like, oh, it's so sweet. But I think, wow, that's now I think, oh, that's getting that polyvagal network warmed up. Right. And going. And so my response to it is really different. Now, sometimes I don't want them standing right next to me while they're doing that because it's disorienting me. Um, however, the, the, my experience of it, just like many of the other theories that we've talked about, my experience and understanding it allows me to parent a little bit differently and create space for that a little bit differently. Um, and the other one that, that you then talked about with that happy face is a reminder of you know, smiling at each other, just smiling itself. That's one of my favorite meditations that piece or looking at each other can also activate that system and how helpful that is to, to just understand and know. And as we've been isolated or even wearing masks where you don't see the smile, how tough that has been. Although I've definitely been much more noticing like how people smile with their eyes when, when we're wearing masks, like you can heard other people say that, see that. Although I saw someone while I was traveling, they had put like a picture of their face and mouth over their mask. So it was like continuously smiling. That was a little eerie too. <laughs> Cause it felt like there was like no nuance to the emotion. It was just like blatantly, it felt like one of those little mask things that you do at the photo pieces. Um, yeah. So I thought that that was a really important part and people really attached to that. And it was a reminder. And, and I think at some point we both said, a calm nervous system calms nervous systems because the piece that we got in the chat, which is the same things that my clients say, which is the same things that my kids say, which is the same thing that my partner says, well, what if I can't get that other person to calm down? And we keep forgetting that calming yourself calms other people. (laughs) But that was, I mean, that's such a common thing. What if they won't do this? Right. And I think that, um, you know, the reason we keep stressing this and saying a calm nervous system calms other nervous systems is because I think our, um, for some people, not for all people, of course, but for some people, they, they get frustrated that, uh, the other person isn't doing the very good advice that you're giving them right then to really help them and and then the brain science says it, why aren't you doing it? (laughs) Right. And you've gotten yourself dysregulated right along with them. And so I think the message here is that humans are contagious (laughs) and you can either be drawn into someone else's level of nervous system or you can influence them, but you have to be intentional about it because it's super easy to get irritated and be like, why aren't you taking a deep breath? I told you if you would just take a deep breath, you would go. And I'm getting, you know, less breathy. (laughs) And so, uh, and, uh, and maybe it's just me, but I certainly know that um, I get frustrated uh, or irritated when people don't take my good advice. 
because I know it's effective. <laughs> um, but instead of paying attention to myself, I think that's probably the message there, right? That um, people almost always, when we do these sorts of trainings, will say, what about somebody else? How about my client or my kid or my, or my spouse? spouse? What about them? <laughs> and it's like, lead with your, lead by modeling. There's just no better way. Yeah. And modeling some of the things that might appear silly, you know, the, the shake method. I don't know what you use to describe that. I usually use like the dog shaking off water, you know, when you're shaking your hands and your arms and your legs and your body, is there an official name for that? Strategy? No, I call it the shake. There's no official name to my knowledge. And I, I've been more and more introducing it as shake out the stress, right? Shake out the stress. And it's at least two minutes which seems really, really long. It does. And, and we even did that. I was like, but what I loved about when we were practicing it and you know, it's, it's two minutes is that how to notice like how hard it is to do it for two minutes. We put some music on that really helped. Um, and I find just like what you said that modeling it. So it is super easy for me to do with my kids. So it's something that I might be calm and like, oh, I'm going to start to shake the stress out. You can join me. Let's see if you can shake. What kind of music? My kids really like techno chicken music right now, which is great music to shake to. Um, and, and that modeling of it and doing it and acknowledging like, whew, I'm getting a little out of breath and we're going to keep doing this. We're watching the timer. We're going to keep doing this. I think is important because we, well, sometimes like you're the stressed one. Why aren't you shaking? Why do, why do I have to shake? I'm calm. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm the parent. That social modeling, humans learn by that. And that makes me think of this. Those things to, that you do or that you want them to do to um, de-stress or to calm down or to regulate or whatever it is we're trying to do, um, while they're good for the person who's dysregulated or stressed or upset, they don't hurt the person who isn't. Right. Right. right? It's not like that, suddenly I'm becoming less. Right. That, I mean, I say the same thing about our adventure therapy curriculum, right? And sometimes we get that question when we're doing um, sort of universal uh, intervention, like doing it, uh, doing adventure activities with your whole classroom mm -hmm. and not just the kid who needs treatment. Right. Where right. You can really match very specifically. Yes, yes. And so there's a difference between universal implementation and treatment, but the activities are the same. And um, right. Uh, and people will sometimes say, well, not everybody needs to do that. Not everybody needs to get up and shake or not everybody needs to do whatever the activity is. Uh, but I'm super confident when I say, yeah, but everybody benefits from it. Right. You're all, if I'm already regulated and happy and attentive, and the teacher says to do this activity, I just get better. It's like I accelerate my- Right, it's abilities. not like you're gonna become dysregulated from doing a regulating right. activity. Right. And you're, you're back to sense of togetherness and community and how you know, noticing yourself. I mean, one of the things that we talked about is like noticing your baseline and when that changes, that allows you to pause and notice like, oh, I'm actually feeling good, but I can still do this but you're still, you know, increasing awareness. There's so many other things that are also contributing and, and beneficiary at that Mona time, more than just the one activity. 
Agreed. Yeah. The other thing that came out from our keynote for me, and I think it was because we were in person, is that, well, what were people saying? Like we sounded like car talk or an SNL skit, or it was a good reminder of connecting in humor and some playfulness, even about serious topics, which I think is easier to do in person. For sure. Or when Although you have a length of relationship. We've gotten really used to this pattern. Mm-hmm. We rarely, you know, are horribly on top of each other and, uh, you know, interrupting and things like that. We've, we have a nice little um, pattern to be able to do it podcast style. Um, Although didn't so, someone say that they would like listen to our podcast and try to talk to us and then get mad at us because we were ignoring them? Yes, that's very... <laughs> Like, I think that's actually your thing, not ours, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) She had to stop listening because she was getting angry at us. (laughs) We weren't listening to her and responding to her comments. Yes, that's so funny. (laughs) Yeah, and how important that relating is. Okay. (sighs) So, so Bobby, you've put in the presentation for Norway. We have. um, Boy, I hope our world is further along on the way out of this pandemic by then. I've, I've noticed this longing for me to travel. This was really the first travel that I've done since the pandemic. It was hard. Um, <laughs> it was hard, not just due to the travel, but it was hard. You know, my kids haven't seen me travel for a year and a half. So that threw them. Into oh kind yeah. Of How were they? How were they when you got back? Were they like puppies and all over you or like cats and ignoring you because you weren't there? So three were like, literally on top of me having to touch me having to hold my clothes and one was like in a completely different room when I said her name didn't really even respond and got mad at her teacher that same day and she wrote a letter to her teacher explaining why she was upset because she felt like she was invisible to her teacher (laughs) and there's definitely some correlation so you know like we have three responding one way one responding another way Yep. Um, although this morning things seem to have settled, settled back down a little bit. Um, the, you know, the travel to Norway, we were talking about the Norway conference of the international adventure therapy conference that was originally scheduled for 2020, right? Yeah. Cause we, it was 2019 when everything happened. So 2020 got canceled and then it's been bumped out to 2022. Yeah. It was 2018 that we were in Australia. Yeah. Okay. So, so that was, um, you know, there's this hope of like, oh, we're going to get to go to Norway. And also this wondering of like, I have no idea the timing anymore. When I look back in 2019, you know, in the spring, we're like, oh, by summer, we'll get to do this. Oh, by fall, we'll be in Pittsburgh for this conference. And none of that is happening. It's interesting to see this in-person planning starting to happen again, but I don't, quite believe it i'm suspicious of it that it's actually going to happen yeah did you see on their um proposal form all of the presentations had the virtual component yeah i do think that our world is going to continue to be more blended moving forward for sure well i sure hope so because that increase in access is you know has long been needed yeah right in both 
both providing some in-person opportunities, but also some more accessible opportunities for sure. Now you, Blaze got vaccinated while we were at the conference, right? Yes. Oh, vaccination one, shot one. Correct. And what is it, two weeks for the next one or three weeks? Um, there, I think, and, and I'm not a scientist about this, but I think that the science is saying, wait a little longer now. So we'll have the second shot in. My kids are scheduled for the vaccines. And, and when I told them I was expecting to get a little pushback, they all cheered. Yeah. And George was like, oh, the first place I want to go is Washington, D.C. or China. <laughs> wow. Because they're so alike. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's always good to have options. Um, and Victoria wrote a letter just this morning <laughs> to, uh, to my mom and dad, to, to, her gram, to her Grammy and Papa, her grandma and grandpa, and said that as soon as her second vaccine was done, I was going to, I'm taking her to the airport and she would need um, them to pick her up at the airport because she's going to go in, and visit them by herself. Oh, because she'll be vaccinated. Okay, then. <laughs> so, so it's super interesting to see what their responses are. They are excited. The other two are excited too. Henry is most excited about not having to worry as much. He feels like he'll, he'll have more space to worry about other things. So it's not that he's going to not stop worrying. He's just going to worry about something different. <laughs> <laughs> and Alexander is like, yeah, I believe in science. Why wouldn't I do that? Like she, in some ways she is so much like me. It really is a little startling. Speaking of which, um, one of our, our friends was out with her kids and somebody made a derogatory comment and, um, we were talking about that and how, how do you handle it? And how it's so much different when it's just me and someone makes a, you know, a homophobic comment or something like that versus if it's me in front of the kids and what do we, what do we do then? And one of my strategies, so again, we go back to social modeling. Social modeling is super important to me, but one of my strategies is also to teach my kids how to respond so that they know what to say when somebody says something. And typically we're getting like homophobic comments. And so they usually see love is love. Or for, I think I told you, like if we get comments about them wearing masks, they all do the little peace sign and they're like, spread love, not germs. And so, so they kind of have their phrases. But the other day, someone made a comment and Alexander said, uh, are you confused? Cause that was your out loud voice and we can hear you. And we're people just like you. And I hope you have a therapist to work all that hate out. Woo. Like, or you could say that, like, I was just going for love is love, but you like, you, you can go that direction. <laughs> and then it makes me wonder, like, what have I said about therapy? That this is her thought of what a therapist does. Work out the hate. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And certainly we've talked about how, you know, people are scared or afraid or hurt or, confused you know they don't know they're, they're not educated enough like that the other tough one this morning we were driving and we saw some I, I was just going along the the waterfront we saw some really big beautiful houses similar to the ones that we saw like the big beautiful houses along the waterfront when we were mm -hmm. traveling 
but it is warmer here. It's, it's cold today. Not, nothing like how it was in Ohio, probably nothing like what you're experiencing. But we saw a, a guy who was wrapped up in a blanket sitting on a bench in front of one of those big houses. And Henry said, how can, they, and we could see that the people were like eating breakfast in the window. How can they be eating breakfast and they have all that room and not invite him in? He's right outside their door. You know what it makes me think of? The grown up version of that problem or that question is, um, I think about um, documentarians who documentarians. go and, yep, who go and, and film or try to do a document. Uh, oh. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. They, uh, and so they go to places where like the witnessing suffering. of suffering. Yes. And, and the idea, you know, but then you have to say, well, I mean, I could sell my camera and feed these people right now, or I can take their picture of them suffering and go back to my privileged life and try to make money <laughs> uh, with this product. And I, it's a, for me that that is such a cognitive conundrum because it is, I want both. I want, I think it's important uh, that we have documentary things so that we are exposed to other people and things and and not just tragedy right like you could do a document what is the word why am i struggling with i don't know all, all i'm coming up with is like a, a cultural anthropologist and that's not really what we're talking about yeah but uh but that is the uh, documentarian the <laughs> documentarian uh, that's the struggle. And uh, I think about it all the time when I, whenever I see, I cannot look at pictures of, you know, tragedy without thinking, could that person have saved that other person? Or, you know, it, it's just an interesting dilemma, but I guess I think like Henry, <laughs> it never leaves my mind. Yeah. I mean, we, we ended up stopping and chatting and seeing if he was aware of services did we need did he need assistance and um sometimes i think the seeing is important i don't know it's it's a hard hard thing to navigate for sure i agree i agree i looked up the word all i found was documentarian <laughs> but it could be that i looked up you know, what is a person that makes documentaries? Documentary. This is really the word I was looking for, but what was the word? Documentaries. The actual yeah. filming of it. Yeah, but I got totally messed up in all those syllables. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, is a, there is a lot of syllables in that. So how was your re-entry? I find that when I you know, I've missed that part, but when you travel, there's this space of like, oh, I don't have to pay attention to my laundry. Although I did because <laughs> I did laundry and, and you all are, I think Cher was on, on a Zoom call and like, oh, I can't dry my clothes yet because someone is, is on the video call. But there is this little like respite from the rest of your life that you kind of get dumped back into when you come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a struggle here. There's um, so much going on, um, unfortunately, medically in my family. My brother, Sean, is 
currently in surgery, spinal surgery for uh, spinal fusion because he has, has problems with his neck and back and nerve damage and all sorts of things. And so fingers crossed right now that that goes as well as possible. But even if it goes as well as possible, it's a long- It's still a recovery. recovery. Yep. Um, and then uh, that we knew was coming, but just right before I came to the conference, we found out that my father has kidney cancer and he is scheduled for next Tuesday. So a week from today, he's having a kidney removed. Uh, in between that, um, Sean's father-in-law is going in for a pacemaker. Um, yep. And uh, yeah, it seems never ending out in front of us. Uh, and both um, Danny my wife and Jesse, my son, have labrum issues in their hip. And um, Jesse has sure. that too? Yep. Yeah. How did you find that out? Uh, he told me during the conference. Whoa. He went, he was having lower back pain and then he went to get an MRI for the lower back, but there was some confusion about which MRI was he supposed to get. They ended up doing one of the hip and said, hey, this might be your problem. Uh, torn labrum and uh, I don't I don't know if his solution and recovery is going to be as dramatic as it was for Danny right but that was a long time and now Danny has to go in and do the other hip and I don't know what Jesse's going to do about his because he's out in California it's much harder to get a handle on who he's seeing and what questions he's asking and all that he's uh, you know trying to adult out there so we'll we'll keep you posted but um but yeah so I, I felt overwhelmed with um family medical issues yeah coming in and it makes everything kind of tense it does and a little bit distracted not in a way of like that it's a bad way but like you have to tend to that you have to be thinking of that in a different way and and while you're also doing these other things and I think that like me, you tend to be the responsible one. So trying to, to hold all of those spaces and places and people in connection. And for me, just because I'm capable of navigating some of the healthcare stuff um, doesn't mean that it's easy for me or that it doesn't, it's not emotionally charging or, you know, all of those things can still be true, even if you are able to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. George, I think I told you before, you know, his one front tooth came down and his other didn't. Oh, yeah. It turns out that he has two teeth. And so he has to have surgery to remove one of the teeth so that the other tooth can actually come down. And then they have to take out the two baby teeth because they're in the way they're not coming out because nothing's pushing on them. So they're actually going to remove three teeth, the two baby teeth that are in the way. And then the one extra adult tooth that is blocking his real adult tooth from coming down. So it's surgery in the roof of his mouth. Ugh. I know. And, but yesterday, so we took him in for the pre-op yesterday and he's like, oh, I just love dentists. I'm so excited about this surgery. I wonder what my smile is going to look like. And he's like, well, it's going to take a little time for your tooth to like come in. It's not like after the surgery, suddenly you're going to have a, a tooth there. It doesn't just like fall into place. It still has to move and grow and, and do that. And I am just in awe of how excited he is about this whole process. I get to miss a day of school. I get to like, <laughs> eat, drink milkshakes all day. 
this just sounds fabulous. I'm like, come on. Well, that reminds me of our, our polyvagal uh, talk about um, harness those anxious thoughts. Right. Ground yourself in um, what you know and what's good. And so he's like, yeah, I'm having this thing you call surgery, but I get ice cream and a day off school and, you know. And my so, smile's not going to look funny anymore. Right. And so it seems like a, a good strategy, right? And he's already, he's using it naturally. Do you think cool. that people do use it naturally and like we learn how to be warriors or do you think that we're naturally warriors and we have to learn the strategy? Uh, I think there are all kinds of people and in part, it depends on who you grow up with and, and what is modeled for you. But I also think people are naturally lean into different directions. For instance, uh, my father is uh, a natural optimist. He's always looking on the bright side, even when bad things happen. He's sort of trudges through it, but then he's, you know, thinking more positively. And I tend to be like that. And um, but uh, I'm one of seven, and we are not all like that for sure. Yeah. So I, I love that about the triplets of like, you know, really, I am the same parent. You know, I'm a different parent between Henry and the triplets because I've had a little bit of experience, but I really have the same experience with the triplets and I could still see how different they are, even with some of the same kind of modeling. Um, and what is Danny pretty optimistic too? Yes, actually, I think she is maybe not quite as um, over the top optimistic, like, um, Certainly I've been accused of, and I would say my dad is, but uh, in general, she's able to uh, focus on the positive things and she doesn't stay down very long. She's super unhappy right now because of having to do this surgery again. And she knows how difficult it was and how painful it was and how long the recovery was. And so that, you know, and for me, it's always the anticipatory stuff that gets people uh, more than the actual events and um she's really really unhappy right now looking well, and sometimes that knowing of how hard something is going to be makes that more difficult too right the first surgery like you, you can only know that it's going to be difficult it's like before you give birth to a child you can only know how difficult it's going to be and then you actually do it and you're like oh <laughs> this is what they are talking about but there was no other really way of knowing that and then having to repeat that you're like to me, there's, there's a different weight that that carries. I think sometimes people find comfort in, in being more aware of what it is, but I find that for me, sometimes I have to like gather up even more energy to be able to walk into something that I know is going to be really hard. I think sometimes that's why people avoid difficult conversations because our experience with difficult conversations is that they're awkward and uncomfortable and have emotions and then you have to navigate that and hurt feelings and we just avoid it. Yes, and I think people avoid difficult conversations because you can't control the other person. And so- Oh, uh, we're all the way back to like, you have to calm yourself first. <laughs> yeah. And, Put on your own air mask. You know, so well, I just see that as different than Danny looking forward to a very difficult yeah, time right. that she's going to have to go through. But she 
she knows all the parts of it because right. she's just done it last year. And she had such high hopes that she would have a good Christmas this year because last year she had the surgery right before Christmas. I remember, and, wasn't it like Christmas Eve or something? Yes, uh, it was a day or two before Christmas and it was a night, uh, uh, you know, uh, and it's outpatient and they send her home and she can't get out of bed for um, weeks. Right, with yeah. a whole big contraption and everything. Like yeah. it was complex. It was, and so, yeah, and but- when I think about having to have a difficult conversation, as I did for the last several days, um, uh, I avoid still them are. because I can't, uh, they're going to come back at me with more difficult things and statements and accusations and questions. And so um, it's not the getting, getting what I want to get out there said that's so hard. It's when you engage in conversations with people, you have no control over where it's going to spin off to. Yeah. There's always that hope of where it might go. And, and we were having more and more difficult conversations. I feel like I'm having more and more difficult conversations as the pandemic has gone on. There was a little bit of respite for a little bit because you just weren't socially interacting as much. And I think it's a good thing that people are having conversations for sure. What do you do when you're having this difficult conversation and you thought that you had assessed a person one way and they like completely surprise you at coming a different direction? Where do you go with that? Do you like pause? Do you oh yeah, I'm a pauser. Your pauser? a pauser. I think about one of the strategies when we were together and talking about one of the difficult conversations is to untangle what is the system pushing on itself and what is the person? Because a lot of us are in systems that reinforce what we're doing and separating that seemed helpful. To me, it seemed helpful to be able to hold the person in a different way while understanding that the system that they're in is also nudging it this way. Mm-hmm. And they might not even be able to see that happening in that way. Well, isn't that true? We all only have our own perspective. And, um, and you really have to make a concerted effort to sort of draw back and hover over to get a different perspective, to be able to see things from other people's perspectives. Um, and honestly, I don't know if this is true or not, but I consider that to be a sign of intelligence that people who can uh, understand and consider other people's perspective, um, that that takes some, uh, it takes effort mm -hmm. and it takes some level of intelligence to be able to do so. And ability to tolerate some uncomfortableness, some discomfort. Um, for me, I really had to learn about how someone else's experience could make sense, even if it would not be true for me. I think that's what I hear a lot. Like, but I wouldn't do that. That's not my choice. That's not my, you know, whatever. And it, even holding that both can be true, right? Like you can be having any experience that is true for you and it would not be right for me or true for me. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, that during COVID people started hanging out even more with 
just people who are similar to them because it you know feels like before covid and I, I suppose i thinking a lot about the politics but definitely like people got sucked into more similar groups where you hear this similar rhetoric what whatever side you're on of like you know you're amplifying your own kind of bubble and i wonder if covid even made that more so especially when we are more isolated because who are you going to hang out with people that are similar to you I guess I agree that people hung out more with people who were like-minded because the socializing at work really reduced. You don't have that same kind of, you know, sitting around the coffee table or waiting for the meeting to start. You know, people don't socialize that way on Zoom. Right. I think that what happened was you had to be so intentional about who you were going to spend any time with. Right. And so when you become more intentional, uh, you're more selective uh, it isn't as random. It's not just people in the hallway or at the coffee cooler or at the water cooler or the, the coffee station, that sort of thing. And so you are definitely more selective about it. And I would assume that means that you're choosing people that you, um, in many cases, already agree with. Right. Although that's not necessarily true of family, right? Oh, right. Because right. you can have really different opinions than other people in your own family, and they are probably part of your social circle or your bubble, as we've learned to call it over the pandemic. And so, um, so in that case, you would have more uh, exposure. It just, what if you were the one person in your family who held the other view, you know, the other side of the... Yeah. I don't know. So many things to think about. Indeed. All right. Do anything that you want to leave us with? Um, no, not today, but it's, um, it's good to be back and have these conversations and think about things out there today. And um, maybe next time when we get together, I'm exploring this idea about habits. You know, a lot of our advice um, around self-care yeah. was pick some things to do and, and make it a habit put it into your schedule. And so um, surprisingly, as these things happen in life, I, um, uh, a new Brene Brown podcast popped up and the guy is um, James Clear talking about atomic or small habits and how they really um, propel you through life. And so I've been thinking about habits all day and um, I'll be exploring that further. It's, it, it's a good reminder for me of these little things can help support some of these bigger picture things. The little things matter. And we talked about that in lots of different ways of like, yeah, this might seem a little thing, but this is a good thing to practice or to have a difficult conversation about or to address, but also these little things in the routine that start adding up and make it more possible for us to not get dysregulated as quickly or to be able to you know, mitigate some of the fatigue. Um, and then just giving each other and ourselves just some grace and space that we are all really are struggling different various ways of struggling, but this yeah. is not an easy time for most people. Nope, it is not. And it continues to drag along until next time. Stay well. Be kind and enjoy life's adventures. Ciao. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to 
Pondering Life Adventures, where you got to eavesdrop on two well-seasoned therapists chat about our well-seasoned lives. You can find us on Spotify or Google Podcasts or Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Like, subscribe, review, share, you know, do your thing. You can follow us on our Facebook group page, Pondering Life Adventures, where you can send us a personal message or share a link to your social media, or you can visit us on our platform anchor and leave us a voice message. Who knows, you might get featured in an upcoming episode. We're also on Patreon at patreon.com slash ponderinglifeadventures, where you can become an active participant in supporting our creative process with a monthly membership. You get access to exclusive content, such as some of our funny outtakes, and insight into our creative process.